It's so good to be together again as a family, as a Purpose Church family. I miss you so much, but I'm so glad that even though we can't physically be together, we can still be together virtually and so grateful for this opportunity to share some things that God has put on my heart to share with you. They've been an encouragement to me. I hope they're going to be an encouragement to you as well. Uh, I just praise God for how he's using you. Pastor Eric uh, shared a report of some of the ways that he's been using you. Uh, The other night, uh, Kimberly and I were out on a walk, and our mayor here in Pomona, Tim Sandoval, and his wife, Chris, uh, we ran into them on our walk, and the mayor asked us uh, as Purpose Church if we would be willing to donate supplies for Pomona Valley Hospital, and he asked us if we would undertake that project. So if you go online to our Get Help, Give Give Help page, it'll give you a list of the supplies that our local hospital needs so that we can donate those and be a part of meeting that need. Now, I also want to thank our staff here at Purpose Church for just doing an outstanding job of getting so many, many ministries online. And we know being online has certain challenges. Uh, Here's a good example of that. Here's the Marietta First Church of the Nazarene uh, live streaming their Sunday morning worship service last Sunday. Your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. So open up the heavens. And that's why we don't have trees on the platform here at Purpose Church. Boy, that drummer, he, he had grit, didn't he? He persevered until he got that tree, drumming with one hand, getting the tree in place with the other. Uh, by the way, the brief glitch that we had last week was not the fault of our media team, but because churches all across America were live streaming at the same time, it overwhelmed the system. And so hopefully that doesn't happen this week uh, as well. Now here's some of the uh, ever- Um, present toilet paper humor that is so prevalent here during the pandemic. I love these three. First of all, getting your Christmas shopping done. Uh, Presents wrapped early. Uh, Here's a form, different forms of payment you can use. Visa, MasterCard, or toilet paper. And this is my favorite, uh, taking, made the first withdrawal from my retirement fund. And so there I've made one withdrawal out of there uh, from one roll of toilet paper from the package. Now today we're going to finish up our series, Faith Over Fear. Uh, Next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on Palm Sunday, a Palm Sunday message. Then we have Good Friday service, and then Easter Sunday after that. The title of today's message is, Everything is Against Me, But Actually Everything is For Me. The thing we can see clearly is when everything seems to be against us. But what we can't see so clearly, as we could see from God's perspective, is that actually when everything's against us, uh, everything is actually working for us when we place our plans and our lives in the hands of God. Uh, We've been going back to the old, old stories to help us with a modern day challenge. And so in this three-part series, in part one, we talked about Elijah. 
who uh, served God about 870 B.C., so we're talking 2,870 years ago. Then last Sunday, we talked about David in the 23rd Psalm from 1,000 B.C., so about 3,000 years ago. And now today, we're going to talk about the story of Joseph from 1,800 B.C. That's uh, 3,800 years ago. But I want to tell the story of Joseph through the eyes of his father, Jacob. So we pick up the story with Genesis 35, verse 16. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephra, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Onai, but his father named him Benjamin. Let's stop there for just a moment. In her despair, she cries out and calls him, son of my sorrow, Ben-Onai. But here, Jacob has the presence of mind. It says, but his father instead named him Benjamin, which is son of my right hand. Uh, he turned a day of sorrow into a day of hope. And one of the themes of our series, and it wasn't intended to be a theme, but it just kind of emerged out of these three stories that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks and today, is that we can often handle one bit of trouble at a time. But it's when trouble comes in bunches that we feel overwhelmed. We can often handle one thing at a time, like Jacob does here. Jacob has enough strength that even though he is losing the love of his life, his wife Rachel was the love of his life. And what a great tragedy that was for him. But even in the midst of that first wave of trouble that comes his way, he has the strength and the ability to, to turn the day from a day of sorrow to a day of hope and to say, no, his son is not going to be Ben-Onai, his son is going to be Benjamin. And he turned a day of sorrow into a day of hope. Now, here's the problem that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. I wish that trouble came, and then you had five, six, seven years to rest up from trouble before the next batch of trouble came. But that's not the way trouble works, is it? Trouble comes in bunches. It comes not one at a time, but two, three, four. We're going to see today in Jacob's life, five things at a time. All come at the same time. And that's when we feel overwhelmed. That's when it begins to pile up and we feel overwhelmed. So we're going to see that in Jacob's life. He handles the first punch, but it's the multiple punches that are eventually going to crush his spirit. Uh, maybe, for example, you've struggled with loneliness um, even before the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, loneliness was something you struggled with, but now because of physical distancing, that loneliness is overwhelming, and, and you were struggling with that to begin with. But now, during this time when uh, physical distancing causes us to be apart from each other even more, that loneliness just becomes overwhelming. Uh, we continue the story in verse 19. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephra, that is to Bethlehem, uh, where Jesus was born in the Christmas story. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. So again, Jacob handles the first wave of trouble, but here comes the second wave. Uh, Jacob had a son by the name of Joseph, and his brothers, Joseph's brothers, hated him because they were jealous of him. And so they captured him and threw him down into a cistern, which was a deep well. And we pick up the story here in chapter 37, verse 28. 
So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe into the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. I've heard that there's no greater loss than the loss of a child. That is a wound you carry with you for the rest of your life. It's so deep. It's so hard. Uh, Kimberly and I often talk about this, having been a pastor and pastor's wife for many years, that that seems to be the wound that is just so hard to overcome, so deep. Uh, There's a couple in our church here at Purpose Church. And about 60 or 70 years ago, they lost their little boy. He got run over when a dumpster truck backed over him. And as a result of this tremendous tragedy, that's where the law that's in California and across the United States came from, that trucks, when they're backing up, have to have beepers going off to make a sound to warn people. Well, out of that tragedy, um, so many lives have been saved because of that law that was enacted. But Kimberly and I have often remarked that when we talk to this couple about the death of their son, like I said, it's been 60 to 70 years now. It's as if it happened yesterday. The pain is so close to the surface. The the pain is so real. And that's what uh, Jacob is going through here. He lost the love of his wife, Rachel, but now he loses his beloved son. And this second punch is the one that just, just crushes him. Uh, In verse 35, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Uh, He survives that first wave of trouble, but the second one crushes him. And maybe the same thing is true for you uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, uh, maybe that first bit of trouble is what you were going through even before the coronavirus arrived. But now when you take that trouble you were going through, that crisis, that difficulty, that problem in your life, and now you add to it this pandemic, you just, your spirit just feels crushed. And so you survived the first wave of trouble, but now the second one is crushing you. And if you find yourself in that situation, I have a word from the Lord for you. I have a word from God for you. I believe the whole reason you're watching this, the whole reason maybe you're listening to this, is because of this one word I want to give to you in your time of discouragement, in your time of feeling overwhelmed. And it is the first word in chapter 37, verse 36. Meanwhile, this is the word I want to share with you. Meanwhile, meanwhile, God is up to something. We're struggling here with the coronavirus and multiple other problems and shortages and hospitals being overwhelmed and all the things that are going on and schools closed and and people losing jobs and the stock market crashing. But meanwhile, God is up to something. Now remember I said the last couple of weeks, God didn't invent the coronavirus. This is part of a sinful, fallen world in which we live. There was no coronavirus in the Garden of Eden. 
And so God doesn't create evil. But once uh, we get ourselves in trouble and once we find ourselves in trouble, God is able to use that trouble for his purposes. Meanwhile, God is up up to something good in your life, in the life of our nation, in, in our world globally. God is up to something. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Now, I don't know how many of you are willing to admit that you're as old as me, but do you remember the old westerns that we had, old black and white westerns we had when we were kids? And something would be going on, but then the narrator would say this, meanwhile, back at the ranch. All this is going on over here, but meanwhile, back at the ranch, something different is going on. And that's what's going on right now. Meanwhile, back in heaven, God is up to a higher purpose. Here, here on earth, here around the globe, we're suffering with all the, the results and the, the impact of the pandemic. But meanwhile, up in heaven, God is up to a bigger plan. And here in Jacob's life, God is starting by the Midianites selling Joseph to Egypt, to Potiphar. God is starting a chain of events that eventually is going to lead to Joseph becoming the second most powerful man in the world. Just think about that. Jacob is crushed. I've lost my beloved son. Actually, his son is alive, and God has started a chain of events behind the scenes. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, meanwhile, back in heaven, he's starting a domino effect that is going to lead to Joseph becoming the second most powerful man on planet Earth. Now, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt, and they came to Egypt trying to find toilet paper because the Costco back in Canaan had run out of it. Actually, that's not true. That, that would be us. Uh, no, kidding aside, there was a famine going on in Canaan, and so they came to Egypt to get some food. Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. So he tests them to see if their character has changed over time. We pick up the story now in chapter 42, verse 29. When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. Uh, they said uh, to him, the man who is Lord over the land, that's, that's Joseph, but they didn't recognize him, spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men, we are not spies. Verse 32, we were 12 brothers, sons of one father. One is no more, and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, this is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here. Simeon was the one that he chose. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households and go. Okay, here the trouble starts piling up. Uh, Rachel dies, and then Joseph, uh, Jacob, thinks is dead. Now comes trouble number three. His son Simeon is in prison in Egypt, but it gets even worse. Look at verse 34. But bring your youngest brother to me, so I will know that you are not spies but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you, and you can trade in the land. Now Benjamin's life is in danger. Do you see the punches piling up? Punch number one, uh, Rachel's death. Punch number two, he thinks Joseph has died. Punch number three, Simeon is in prison. Punch number four, now Benjamin's life is in danger. But it's going to get 
even worse. Here comes punch number five in verse 35. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. Uh, Joseph had commanded uh, the steward that was in charge of receiving their payment to slip the payment back into their bags with their food once again. But they didn't know that. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened uh, because they think that now their lives are in danger. The, the man in charge is going to think that they stole from him. So now their lives were in danger as well. Here comes the fifth punch. Rachel, Joseph, Benjamin, Simeon. Now all of their lives are in danger. And finally, when the fifth wave of trouble washes over Jacob, he snaps. He can't take it anymore. He's, he's crushed. It says in verse 36, their father Jacob said to them, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Everything is against me. Do you feel that way? Has the trouble been piling up? And coronavirus pandemic was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And you say everything is against me. I know I tell this story all the time. It's one of my favorites about a man who had a pet parakeet. And he let it out of the cage one day to hop around while he was vacuuming. But he accidentally sucked the parakeet into his vacuum cleaner. So he hurriedly opens it up. And the little bird is traumatized and quivering. So he takes it and he douses it with ice cold water under the faucet. And then he takes a hot air hair dryer and, and blows hot air on. So this poor little bird goes from being sucked into a vacuum cleaner into being doused with ice cold water to being blasted with hot air all in a matter of moments. And a few days later, the man's friend asked him, hey, how's your parakeet doing anyway? How, how's that parakeet? And the man responded. He said, you know what? He survived, but he doesn't sing much anymore. He survived the experience, but he doesn't sing much anymore. Do you feel that way here today? You survived that bout with cancer. You survived that family tragedy. You survived the loss of your job. You survived bankruptcy. And you're now surviving the coronavirus. But you don't sing much anymore. You've lost your song. Oh, we here at Purpose Church, and I as your pastor, I want to do anything we can to help you get your song back once again. That's what we want. We want you to get your song back, to even be able to sing through this pandemic. Uh, do you feel that way today? Well, well, thanks to our amazing media and tech ministry, we have a way to offer you prayer right now. Uh, we've got a team ready to pray with you about anything you need. And so what I want you to do is to click on the live prayer button that it's the bottom right of your screen. And that'll connect you with uh, someone so that you can be prayed for by one of our online pastors. We have online pastors who would just love to pray with and for you, either now or after the service is over. Now remember... The title of, of, the, of the message today, Everything is Against Me. If you go back to the title, Everything is Against Me. Now, the way it should work, if you printed out your, your outlines today, is if you hold this up to a mirror, 
you should be able to see when you hold it to a mirror, everything is for me. You may think that everything is against you, but in actuality, God is working behind the scenes and everything is for you. The Bible said it would be like this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. It says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Now back then, they didn't have real good mirrors like we do today. They had highly burnished brass, so you could vaguely make out your image. So he says, this side of heaven, we can see vaguely what God is up to. But then one day, either later in our lives, or when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see face to face. God's going to explain it all to us. It's all going to make sense. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You can't see it clearly now, but I promise you someday you will see clearly that God is up to good, even when it seems like everything is against you. Paul wrote to the followers of Christ in the city of Rome in Romans chapter 8. He says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, or the breakup of a relationship, or failing a class at school, or the illness of a child, or divorce, or the death of a spouse, or bankruptcy, or a cancer diagnosis, or losing a job, or a stock market crash, or the coronavirus pandemic, shall any of those things separate us from the love of God? Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And all God's family said, amen, amen. Now, as your pastor, I love you. And I am praying that whatever you're feeling overwhelmed by right now will be over sooner rather than later. I'm praying for a quick end to the coronavirus pandemic. I, I, I'm praying for a, a quick conclusion of the trouble you're in, and you'll move through that to the other side. That as your pastor, that's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you're going to get out of this sooner rather than later. But let me make a promise to you.
even if it's later rather than sooner. And even if that later is in heaven, I can promise you that even though right now everything seems to be against you, God is working everything for you. And I pray that you'll be able to see that sooner. And, and I hope that it's even later in this life. But I guarantee you, if you turn your life over to Christ and your story over to him, someday I can promise you it'll all be clear. And God is even using all these things around the world for his greater purposes. You know, Joseph eventually reveals himself to his brothers. And he says these words in Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. All around the world, I believe that God is using this time to bring people closer to him. We hear reports all around the world that the body of Christ, the, the followers of Jesus are sharing Jesus and serving other people. And we are seeing unprecedented interest in people wanting to know how they can follow Christ. And, and he wants to use you to do that. He wants to use you, he wants to use me to do that, to help even in the midst of this difficult time God is going to use it to bring people, our family, our friends, what we call our oikos here at Purpose Church, the Greek word for household, the 8 to 15 in our sphere of influence. Now here's how he wants to do that over the next two weeks. These next two weeks are some of the most strategic we've ever had in the 150-year history of our church. We are preparing an online Easter service that is, I believe, going to be as compelling as possible to your oikos. It is going to be the most compelling online Easter service that, that you can imagine. It's going to be winsome and compelling for your friends that are investigating Jesus or are searching for Jesus or don't know him at all and want to start that search. This is an historic opportunity. This Easter, we've got two weeks till Easter, 14 days. This is going to be the easiest ask ever in our lifetime. Ever in history, all you have to ask your friends to do is to turn on their computer and, 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 and watch one of the services, the Easter services that we're providing. Uh, that, that's all it is. You don't have to ask them even to go to the Fairplex, which is a racetrack, which is why we do that, because it's not walking into a church. Uh, we, we make it easier every Easter. This year, we're going to make it even, Easter, e even easier the, this is going to be the easiest ask we've ever had. Simply ask your friends, hey, uh, catch the service uh, Easter Sunday from Purpose Church. And then we are doing everything we can to make it as compelling an experience as possible to draw your friends closer to God. Okay, let's finish with the happy ending to Jacob's story. And in Jesus this can be the happy ending to your story as well. If not here, in heaven. Later in your life like it was for Jacob, that's what I hope for. But even if not then, I can promise you in heaven for eternity. So let's finish with the happy ending. When we left Jacob, remember what he was saying? He was saying, everything's against me. Everything, the whole world is against me. Everything's against me. Picking it up with chapter 45, verse 25. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph 
is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel, that's another name for Jacob, said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. And then picking up the story in chapter 46, now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. And they lived happily ever after. And so will we if we turn our story over to Jesus and let him write our story for us because his story goes into eternity beyond all the trouble that we're in right now. A maid was great in the kitchen and an immaculate housekeeper, but her main strength was that she was never ruffled by anything. She was always calm and in control. When asked about her secret, she quoted a verse in the Bible. It came to pass. When told that this was not the complete verse, she replied, it is for me. It means that whatever comes, it comes to pass. It doesn't come to stay. The coronavirus has not come to stay. It has come to pass. I love this quote by Casting Crowns. They said, when I think my life is falling apart, it is actually falling into place. I may think that my life is falling apart, but God's behind the scenes actually making it fall into place. I love this acronym for, uh, for hope, H-O-P-E. Hold on, pain ends. Hold on, Purpose Church. Hold on, because pain ends. It doesn't come to stay, it, it comes to pass. Um, interesting from chemistry, NaCl uh, is a combination of sodium and chlorine. Sodium, Na, chlorine, Cl. And uh, these things by themselves, these compounds, are poisonous to humans. But when you put them together, they form sodium chloride, which is the symbol for salt. Just good old-fashioned table salt that just makes everything taste so good. So here these two poisons come together and form something that makes life rich and full and tasty. Now I know when you get to be my age, it raises your blood pressure. But those of you that are younger, don't, don't you worry about that, okay? Don't, don't worry about that. Uh, for right now, you just see that those two poisons come together and it brings tastiness and, and richness and abundance and beauty into our lives. Uh, I love this uh, little short essay by Marshall Shelley called The Author Knows the End of the Story. The author knows the end of the story. Even as a child, I loved to read. 
And I quickly learned that I would most likely be confused during the opening chapters of a novel. New characters were introduced. Disparate, seemingly random events took place. Subplots were complicated and didn't seem to make any sense in relation to the main plot. But I learned to keep reading. Why? Because you know that the author, if he or she is good, will weave them all together by the end of the book. Eventually, each element will be meaningful. At times, such faith has to be a conscious choice, even when I can't explain why any bad, tragic, or painful thing occurs, I choose to trust that before the book closes, the author will make things clear. Now, all these wonderful promises and encouragements I've been doing uh, for the last uh, half hour, it only works if God is writing your story. When I write my story, I make a mess of things. These things are only true if God is the one writing your story. And I want to encourage you right now, if you've never taken the step, to hand the pen to God. To take the pen out of my own hands, and boy, I messed up that chapter of my life, and I messed up that chapter of my life, and say, Jesus, would you write the remainder of the story? Because a story that Jesus writes always turns out happy in the end. It always turns out to work together in the end. Now, how do you do that? By using three words that your mother taught you. Um, please, thank you, and sorry. But I'm going to give them to you in a different order. Sorry. God, I'm sorry for the sin and wrongdoing in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, taking my place dying instead of me so that I could go free. And then please, Jesus, come into my heart, uh, sit on the throne of my life, of my heart, be my leader, my king, be my savior, be my Lord. Jesus, please take the pen of my life and write the story that you want to write. Let's pray together a couple of prayers as we end our time. First of all, Jesus, take the pen. I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven. Please now take the pen of my life and write the story just like you wrote Jacob's story 3,800 years ago. Would you write my story? so that it turns out the way you want it to in the end, so that it includes the final chapter, which is eternity in heaven with you. And then I also, for all of us, want to just close with what's called an offloading stress prayer that was written by David Maines. Father, you are God, even in stress-filled times like the one we are in right now. On my own, I could feel overwhelmed, but Scripture tells me you care about every detail of my life. Right now, the stress I feel most intensely is, and just take a moment now, and just think about what is it you're feeling most stressed about right now. Just right now, take that thing and hand it over to God. Show me the steps I can take and give me courage to take them. Calm my spirit, Lord, as I trust you 
to bring good into this situation. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen. Thank you.